Good afternoon from the other side of the rail. We're here live on Sunday, June 13th. Another sunny day in Muskoka, Kelsey. Hello, everybody. How are we doing? I'm doing good. So I'm really excited about today's interview. Um, one of my good friends, we go way back to grade nine homeroom geography, grade 10 history. We had an e-bike gang to Friday night. You had an e-bike gang? Oh, I'll get to oh, it. My Lord. We had an e-bike gang in Elmira. We uh, spent every Friday doing Lord of the Rings drinking game with extended edition. I will tell you that's expert level. Wow, Elmira was a small town. Eh? And, <laughs> and all eight seasons of Lost. Um, my best friend, my go-to person that whenever I wanted to talk about politics, current events for the last 14 years, this is who I call. Evan Morrison. Hello. Hello, Evan. Hello. Wow, that's quite the intro. I told you uh, you'd hate it. Jeez. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're gonna come back from that. For. You weren't preparing for that. <laughs> I was like, I didn't expect my whole history to get brought up. But you forgot uh, about the Lord of the Rings game? And oh, then... I never forgot about it. I no. just tried to make Good. it a thing in the past. No, I'm joking, but... Evan, I still miss it. <laughs> I really yeah, miss it. Because they're timeless. <laughs> that sounds, yeah, I mean, the e-bike gang sounds fantastic, So, Evan lived around the corner from me, yeah. and um, he bought an e-bike, and we would go to school, like, every day together, walk to school, so it was like, I can't hop on the back of this. I forget how young you are, like, that an e-bike actually existed when you were in high school. We only had bikes when I was in high school, <laughs> like, just pedal bikes. Well, was, we started with there pedal was a, bikes. And you had to be rich to have a bad, That's what it would have been. It, like, was, it, it lasted, like, maybe two years, and now no, you've No, not even. I think it was, like... like one year of you and I just having them. And I think one other person in town bought an e-bike. You had an e-bike too? I had a white one, Evan had a blue one. Wow. We had a gang, I told you. Wow. We Yeah, we do the motorcycle wave and never got it back. Never once? <laughs> no, That's I think fantastic. maybe once I got it. Come I on. Like, I felt so You actually unearned. did the wave? Like oh, where yeah. you just put yeah, your hand yeah, out yeah, the thing exactly. and do that little like, low motorcycle wave? Yeah. And wow. uh, I think one guy entertained the fact, but then after that it was pretty much all misses. Oh. We were judged really hard. Well, I think that's part of the reason why it stopped becoming popular or it never took off in the right way it was because like, evan and i were the ones that was starting it right well i, I just mean like generally all together like you, the e-bikes are not that popular they bomb around really here they bomb around muskoka this is where time. i'm online yeah. but yeah, yeah uh, it was yeah one of the guys i work with has nerdy. a little e-bike e that yeah. he bombs up for the carpool in the morning just bombs up the main street <laughs> But moving on from mine and Evan's past. Oh, I wanted to go into that. I wanted more of that. I wanted oh, more. That's okay. We'll I didn't become prepared to talk about that, nor did yeah, I think yeah, anyone here would be that. interested in it. But I mean, I I'm that's not super, what we're here I'm for today. For that, super but in that. but I, I needed to introduce Evan because he is like my best friend from Elmira. Yeah, thanks a lot, Evan, for oh. coming up today and making the trip and uh, sitting with Kelsey and I. And thanks for trusting uh, me to talk on anything. <laughs> well, Evan, like you are my, I, I'm not going to say expert. Um, but you are my go-to person whenever I need to talk about current events or anything that's going on in the political climate in Canada. You are the go-to person that I will call and we'll have like some two-hour bringing conversation about everything and anything under the sun. Yeah, when we started kicking around this idea to do the podcast and stuff, uh, you were the first person that Kelsey mentioned to bring in. Uh, you were. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah well, I hope I can do some of it justice. But yeah, as far as uh, expert is concerned, not an expert in anything, but. Um, and this has I've been your passion? To talk to it. Yeah, it's, it's always been kind of uh, in conjunction with what I've done. Like, I, after high school, I went to school to be a journalist, essentially. Right. So I went through that whole process of learning the industry and taking the classes. And 
getting into this. It's a very niche, unique, and small world, and especially in Canada, it is as well. Right. And then sort of the understanding government and how government operates just came as a part of that. And I think I was always like really passionate about that. When you're young, like really young, you kind of are very gung ho about certain yeah, policies, yeah. or yeah, you want to get involved in stuff like that. And uh, like, I was so excited to vote when I was 18 and all that. And like, my views have changed since then, and things like that. So right. And stuff, and it's based on like your own personal life experiences, well, what you've experienced, or not what you've experienced, what you've learned and grown your on. evolution. Exactly. Like, there's always that, what's the saying, where it's like, if you're not, a, if you're 20 and you're not a liberal, you have no heart. And if you're 40 and you're a conser- and you're not a conservative, you have no brain. And then one of my right. professors That's had, interesting. It's a, it's a really, well, I'm 40, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I, and I'm definitely conservative. But it was, it, but it basically <laughs> was like, one of my professors who was an amazing guy in my first year of college was like, well, I've added my own part to it where he said, if you're not, if you're 60 and you don't understand the problems with both of them, then you've got no wisdom. Ah, like, nice. That completes it all. That, that completes that, it, that yeah. brings it all back kind of full circle and, yeah. And that's, that's politics in general. Like, I feel like you can't, I, I mean, you and I were just talking about all the political parties in Canada. There's so much from each party that I could attach to a belief or an idea and think that's great, but I don't put myself in a certain box of it all. And I, I can't do that anymore. With well, when my you do that, you can string yourself to defend everything that that. That's the problem. That's the problem that I've right? always yeah. saw with, you know, you know, even being in the bar. And I think we brought this up either our first episode or a little bit with There's Mark first, too. Yeah. Um, is that, you know, those beliefs have, why do they have to be so stringent on one thing? And I've never been that person. I always like to see and listen to all the other sides. And, and like Kelsey just said, with so many political parties in Canada, there's so many different ideas and options. And I still haven't gathered why we can't come together and make everything kind of work for everyone, but that's a completely different topic as well. Well, it brings you into kind of like that we have like the four parties, I believe, we have like the four major parties. Four major right. parties, different from the states, NDP, obviously. Green, uh, conservative, and liberal. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, I was just there's fringe parties the everywhere too. Yeah. Where like, you're blue or red, yeah. that is such a divide of just you're either one way or the the other way, and you have to defend your party blindly in a in a sense. And it's a weird that that divide is so like, you know, fifty. 50, 49, 51, yeah. with 375 million people in that country, that that divide can be so down to a percentage point. It blows yeah. my mind. Living in the States for, I lived in Florida oh. for uh, like nine seasons. Which but Florida to see, actually seems like the place to be now. Now, yeah. Yes. That's what they're promoting. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure. They're definitely promoting it. But to see that divide, and it was, it's crazy that it was just with that many people, yeah. it's red, blue. Yeah. It's like, so there's nothing else. And there's, there's, and there's no like very small percentage of people see things from both sides. Or and there's side. like an identity perspective too, where it's, yeah. it's here in Canada as well, but it's also in the States where it's like, there is no sort of overarching identity that brings everybody together where it's like you see the other side is essentially evil which is really bad but like the whole issue i think trudeau said it a couple of years ago where he's like well there's no such thing as a canadian identity well that's not good at all like you have to have something that brings everyone under one yeah that's kind of the the idea yeah exactly well i guess that kind of brings into some of the topics we wanted to talk about today um in our promo we did um highlight that we wanted to talk about kind of our current political climate um canadian government neoliberalism i'm probably going to struggle over that word a couple times today um bear with me and then also bill c10 um you and i have discussed this in our own personal as um, everyone should (laughs) phone calls as everyone should that's a great point as everyone should be talking about this bill it's a huge part um 
what's going on in our government right now. And you have said to me that you've been um, advocating against this in your area. I know you're working in local politics right now. Do you want to kind of go into how you kind of... Yeah, let, let everyone know what Bill C-10 is and what, yeah, the, what the idea like, behind it is. So, I mean, I work in municipal politics, so it's very different. Down in has, Waterloo? Uh, it's actually in, like, Brantford, Paris County area. So, oh, yeah, okay. that area oh, nice. there, but, um, which actually is undergoing some of the very similar growth problems that a place like Muskoka is going through right now. Right. But... Um, Essentially, yeah. So Bill C-10 is a amendment to the Broadcasting Act of Canada, which I believe came out in, I think it's 1968. 1976. 1976, thank you. So it Great year. Basically, yeah, we, we wouldn't know on this side of the table. Um, but, <laughs> easy, easy. Basically. Is that, come on, give me that cider back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, that's the type of stuff I'm not prepared to do. I'm very, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll out yeah, people without even realizing it. Um, so, yeah, Bill C-10 is an amendment to the Broadcasting Act, which essentially gives this government agency called the CRTC, which most people have probably heard of. It's the Canadian Radio, Television, and Telecommunications Commission. Yes. A lot of power to regulate digital media. And obviously that word and that type of stuff really scares people sometimes. And you kind of have to understand sort of what the CRTC's role is as an agent, like as a governing body, as an agency in Canada, like what's their, what are they supposed to be doing? And right. I know you hear it on the radio every time, yeah. every time you listen to the radio, they say that they're under this act and this, yeah. and this is brought to you so by it's like, they put out their name, their property. In radio, name. it's like 35% of everything that's played on Canadian airways has to be Canadian content. That's and correct. Like, yeah. Actually, I would maybe even say that that's a good thing because it's really helped elevate. I think it's a fantastic artists. thing. And, I, and I've noticed yeah. it a lot more too, you know, listening to even, um, like the local station in Aurelia now, that they have really pushed a lot of Canadian, mm -hmm. Canadian music, and that's and, great. That's great. For and it's been really good. There are some good things that the CRTC certainly does, and like uh, Canada just had its first uh, award, Juno nominated and winner female artist for the first time since Alanis Morissette in like the 90s, and that's really it, nice. it was uh, JJ Wilde is her name. Oh, um, right on. Um, she's fantastic and stuff, but it's because of that sort of atmosphere they created where. Canadian radio really helps push those local artists and stuff like that. With C10, I think that's a little different because you're talking about not necessarily censorship of information, but people's access and discoverability of information. So right. like with something like music, it's awesome because it helps you discover these new artists, these new free thinkers. In your own country. In your own country. And that's what... Which I think is super important for Canadians because we're 100%. so tied in with the United States. Um, a lot of our content or a lot of our understanding of North America is coming from the United States, our big brother. So it's not, I mean, personally for me, I know more about the American um, politics and government system than I know about my own. And that's, that's yeah. silly. I mean, we were both. You're not alone in that class. respect. I do for sure. Everyone, too. everyone knows more about America. I should have paid so much more yeah. attention in our law class, given we were both in that exact same class. And here I am asking you about questions. <laughs> And yeah, like as far as the, the scene with like distinguishing themselves, because Canada is always punching above its weight class in sort of the media game when the States is our neighbor, like right. more money, more people, more resources, more consumers and stuff like that. C10 and the people who defend it are basically saying we're just trying to allow our content, Canadian content to be more easily discovered by Canadians and sort of do what they did for radio, whereas it's different. A lot of people get like the freedom of information. Like I love what something like YouTube is yeah. and how you can discover any culture, any point of view, any story 
from anywhere in the world, whereas C10 is essentially what the CRTC would be able to do is regulate the discoverability of content on platforms like Netflix, Disney Plus, YouTube is the one that I'm very more concerned about with social media. Yeah, right. exactly. So it would be like, you have to have this section of the website that is like, well, this is your good Canadian patriotic content that the CRTC approves and says this is Canadian government stamped approved content. And you would sort of be forced to either like auto subscribe or see that stuff or watch those things. So, and it would also hide. It changes the algorithm. It does in a sense. Yeah. That famous YouTube algorithm. And uh, it would also hide information or content that is not approved by the CRTC. So they could even be Canadian content, but if it doesn't meet that seal of approval and there's a really messed up and sort of corrupt system that the CRTC uses, like it's a point system that they use to deem whether or not Canadian content is Canadian content or Canadian enough. I think it's important to note that the last uh, broadcasting bill for the CRTC was from 1991. And this is before the internet. So all of the broadcasting systems, streaming systems, radio, everything has changed obviously since 1991. We didn't have open access to the internet like we do now. So I think everyone can kind of get on the same page and saying that this needs to be amended or updated to times that we live in now in 2021. For sure. I don't think anyone can say that that's not something that needs no, to happen. No, I think that's definitely has to be revisited, right? It, I, it has to be acknowledged, yeah. yeah I, would, definitely. I, I would actually say I maybe am one of the few people who says I don't necessarily do think it needs updating because you I don't, don't really think the CRTC has any business in digital media. It, it's an entirely different type of format in the way people consume online Hot media. Take. I don't want right. it to be, I don't want the government or a government body to tell me what I should and should not be watching. So a lot of people who are opposed to this bill are really fevering. People are saying like it's censorship or uh, it limits my free speech. Like they're never going to take down something that you post. But right. those are some amendments that they've made in Bill C-10 yeah. as well. They've taken out, um, I think, Section 4.1 that was very broad and yeah. um, kind of had that ability to be able to um, censor um, individual users. individual use yes. on social media or YouTube or anything like that. That's where I think things were getting very. That's iffy. where it became a really hot take or mm-hmm. like very controversial. And then you have season, uh, Stephen Gabot, who is uh, the heritage minister. Yes. He's the one that's pushing Bill C-10 right now. And he's been getting a lot of flack from certain um, points that he's been making about Bill C-10. We apologize for the uh, phone again, guys. But yeah, so what's your take on him and... I, I'm interested to hear the he, fact that you don't think this needs to be amended because that's one thing that even as I was researching Bill C-10 um, and some of the things that I disagreed with, I think at the end of every article or what I was reading about it, I came to the conclusion that this obviously does need to be amended. I just don't know where it goes. Exactly. And that's the big question. And I think the, the, the question you have to ask is like, are you doing more harm than you're doing good? Right. And like the one thing I will say about sort of that 4.1 clause is it's essentially like the way these platforms are set up specifically YouTube and other social media companies, like user generated content and the people who put user generated content are completely beholden on the platform. So the minister was basically talking about how they're only going to regulate the companies. They're only going to regulate the companies. Well, if you regulate the way YouTube shows content or promotes content you and it's all user generated content, you are regulating the user. Right. 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 And what the user sees. Yeah, exactly. So you can't do one without the other. Like it's a symbiotic relationship. And that's the beautiful thing about social media is that sort of relationship where it's like, well, 
I guess a, a way to sort of equate it is like with the CRTC in Canada, like I can make any TV show I want, but you right. have to get a TV station or someone to air it, right? Yeah, and correct. In that, sense, yeah. that would sort of be the new rules that apply to YouTube and whatnot. The government's basically like, you can play by oh. our rules and get your content promoted, or you can essentially do your own thing and risk sort of your content being buried. It's like, why do, why are we going to let the government elevate certain types of content based on what they sort of and that content can be on their on their narrative or whatever they want anything or it it might incentivize creators to make content based around stuff that they know will get preferential treatment and that's not a freedom no exactly that is censorship to an extent because they're like well i'm i could make this stuff exactly it's like but i really want that i really want that endorsement from the crtc or i really want to approve on that or recommended I just want page. To see this. Exactly. Yeah, but right. to change your artistic values in the way you think or the way you mm-hmm. do something to get approval by someone to increase your views. Your views is a weird thing, right? That, that that's not how art works. Yeah. Like, I mean, I you know, I'm not going to paint a picture to make it look like something to hope that it can get you exactly. Know, someone else it, will like the picture, right? I paint it because I just I'm an artist and I like to paint. Yeah, exactly. That's it. That's just the bottom line. I don't but do anything else. Your that That's my You're creative process. It's the way process. I paint. I don't sure. paint to sell it. I don't paint it for a person. I don't do anything. I just paint it because that's my my outlet and the artistically. Art and the content. I mean, yeah. consider it for this example, your art's out there for the person that wants to see it and will enjoy right. it. Right. And owning it, own it. When I owned an art gallery, I had my own stuff on the wall with like five other artists, and everyone that walked in you know, like something different. Right. Some people hated yeah. my stuff and it was you know, weird sitting there and go, you know, hearing them not knowing that I'm the artist yeah. saying stuff about my art. It was a little bit weird, <laughs> but the next person comes in and loves it. Right. Yeah. To each their own. Of so course. I think yeah. That's the big, big problem um, that needs to be addressed or at least needs to be thought about with Bill C-10 mm-hmm. is that this has the ability to completely change what Canadians see on a grand scale level and regardless of it may include you being able to put your input or your opinion but it's going to like what you it said it just limits discoverability in the worst the type of way yeah right. and like if your content is good and people want to see it like I, I worked for a pretty famous youtube channel a canadian youtube channel who would probably get that preferential treatment that they're talking about in c10 right but if but they got successful without it and they got successful based on right. the fact that they had an audience they had genuine interest in what they were doing so why not let that be the measure of success rather than some government body that's just that's like, always been my measure of success yeah, exactly. is doing, doing what makes you feel great and and giving that outlet mm-hmm. in the way that you feel like you want to put it out there your passion right? project right. your creativity and your art regardless whether that be you know radio whatever um music or an actual art piece yeah anything along those lines like people can decide for themselves what they like and dislike or what they want to watch and what they don't want to watch well, I in, think in, so. yeah. in that um kind of conversation i want to know how what you think would be beneficial i, I uh, just the with the bill and the way that it's written right now i would basically say that there should probably be an amendment that says the crtc can't tell the social media companies and the platforms how to lay out or organize like they and they already do regulate what you can right. and can't see like google's right. already doing that and something that they've said well they were like well the crtc could use these powers to effectively stop google and facebook and all these companies from regulating the way that you see content 
and stuff like that. But that's obviously not what they're trying to do in this sense because they're talking about promoting good patriotic Canadian content right. and stuff. And that's the main objective of the CRTC. So you're in, I really don't know if the CRTC has a future in Canada. I think it's slowly probably going to die in that. But Well, given that they haven't made a bill since 91. And yeah, well, they, they're also involved in ways like the CRTC basically deals with like cable packages as well. Like you're paying for French language channels regardless if you're right that has to go on there yeah it's it's all in that deal with the crt and they also really regulate like telecommunications and things like that but clearly that's not really working because canada has like canadians pay some of the highest amount of cell phone bills in the world yeah so clearly it's not working in that sense Uh, so i would just say like open up the borders and let the american companies come in and compete with the canadian bells and stuff the prices down but i mean i like i said like i'm no expert on this stuff and i'm not obviously advocating Specifically no, but you're for here that. for your opinion. Yeah, and I want to more talk about how Bill C-10 is just a poorly written bill that is really useless on the whole, and it's infinitely easier to make a problem worse than it is to make it better. So you but really need to look at it like right. that. It, when, in, in any aspect of like lawmaking and that, but basically, yeah, like you have to sort of look at it based on that. Like, Are we going to make the problem worse? And it's looking like probably. And that's that's the big kind of, I think thing that's coming up with Bill C-10 is that, I mean, my personal opinion, I think it's a good idea potentially that we um, do have a bill that can be updated for internet today. But the bill that we're dealing with right now, Bill C-10, sets a foundation for a lot of wayward um, actions around it. That's how I view right. it. Well, and they personally. don't even really say what those powers will be either. So no, it's basically it's like vague. they want to pass That's always the a bill problem, and yeah. then they just give it to the government agency, whether it's the CRTC or somebody else, and be like, okay, now you hammer out the regulations. And that's when it's yeah. allowed to be kind of taken advantage of or taken out of context. And that's where our problems yeah. end up. And I don't even see it as like a, a, a takeaway of our freedoms, as some people on like the very far right would say, like you're censoring my ability to say stuff and things like that. Or it's like, oh, this is communist China stuff. I don't see it as that. I right. see it as like, it's just useless. Yeah. Right. Like YouTube's great the way it is. And you can discover all types of amazing. Yeah, that's what I do every Sunday morning. Right. Like I, I would not be the person I was today if I hadn't had YouTube as a resource to discover Things that were of interest to me. <laughs> yes. So, we're, we're, yeah. we're radicals. Oh, I think you said radicals, and I was just no. like, oh, man, did you promote me as a radical? No, I guess. Ra- radicals. I can, I can take that stance if you want, but this is going to be, I mean, you might get more views on the podcast. <laughs> It'd be harder for me to argue. No, no, no. But radical. yeah, in summary, sort of like, it, it's that whole thing. It's like, oh, well, who decides? Like, why, why are we going to give that choice to to the government to decide. Yeah, any censorship us. in it, art yeah. or freedom of speech is a weird thing, and it, it definitely yeah. goes down well, it's many a avenues. Great right? conversation to have with people, uh, for sure. I mean, you get a lot of different opinions and observations on a censorship yeah. topic. But you see the way they try and shut down conversation. Like the the minister of heritage was just like only militant radicals uh, oppose this bill, and it's just like, well, no, maybe it's just people who want to just ingest the content that they want and they don't want somebody else telling them well that's another thing right seen, that right? Like, that's, that's getting argument. pushed out because that's dividing people into saying if you don't like this you're a radical yes. you're an extremist you're against the you're a racist values. type deal yeah, it's, it's funny how they've, they've, used, they've used that and that's happened yeah. a lot recently well, it's where the media is it's, of it's, course. it's bleeding into our politics a lot um and trudeau is definitely guilty of it but so is every politician every um, yeah that's the and that's the way it goes and it is it's not it's there's no like middle ground right it's it's yeah. either it's this 
or you're this. Yeah. And if you don't like it, you're this. And it's the division that that, that creates, uh, you know, it doesn't, it can't be beneficial to anyone to be no. on one side or the other and you're this or you're that or if you don't like this, why are you're this? Or right? to place those labels on people before you know them as an individual. Like they them. start. That's where yeah. they start. That's exactly. where they start. The basis of all these arguments is because well, yeah. it makes people feel comfortable when you can put someone in a box of understanding them with all these labels, right? Of course, it makes someone uncomfortable, or makes someone comfortable with understanding who you are and how they can approach a situation instead of just going in blank slates. Um, if they know you're a liberal and they know that you're from potentially Quebec. Um, they're understanding a certain aspect of you from what they're taught this person would look like. Yeah, right? that narrative has always been pushed. And it makes yeah. you easier to demonize. And narratives is sort of a lot of the avenue that you see sort of mainstream media taking. That's all it is right now. Exactly. That was the thing, and we were just talking about it earlier, where it's like uh, when I was in journalism school and that I did first did my like broadcasting degree at college where I learned right. sort of all the hard skills and in the industry and stuff like that. Super useful. College was great. University, I think, Two out of every three classes I was in were more like teaching you to be an activist more than it was a journalist. Right. Which is a really yeah. interesting thing. I've never heard Yeah, of you mentioned that, that outside. It just yeah. makes sense. Or it doesn't, sorry, it doesn't make sense, but it does when you sort of understand the new shape that journalism and media is taking yeah. in a sense, whereas like, it's like the, the narrative is more important than anything else. And yeah, and you see that. I mean, you, you, you see that now. And it, it's well, it's and crazy, especially in, like, it, it's. You watch yeah. 10 different news broadcasts and each one has this exact same yeah. talking point, you know, 10 different people putting it out, 10 different networks, 10 different broadcasts putting it out. And you go from channel to channel to channel and the same point is like the exact same words, the exact same language, the exact same everything yeah. on a topic that cannot be the exact and same. And this is the bottom line of what the issue with Bill C-10 is, is right. that... Is it going to be that same information being pumped out or are you going to be able to have access to not just one narrative, not just at least maybe another sub-narrative, but all of the narratives so you can educate yourself and make a valid decision or a valid opinion on it instead of just being a CNN talking point? And right. yeah, it, 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 you saw it a little bit, and I'm not even necessarily opposed to this specifically, but like the, the new Instagram ways where it was like like independent fact checkers have verified this as false. And it's like, oh, well, who's mm -hmm. the independent fact checker and it was just like uh you know, nbc was the independent fact checker exactly so yeah it's it's like i don't and that's part of what c10 would do it's like this is the government stamp seal of approval good canadian content it's and anything just, about um that doesn't have that seal of approval and quotes um people aren't going to believe or even be able to see. Exactly. That's the yeah. problem is them not problem. being able to see it. Yeah. Whether they believe it or not, if they can't see it, they don't know that exactly. it's And there. like, I was listening to Neil deGrasse Tyson on the Joe Rogan podcast talk about this, and obviously he's an astrophysicist, totally different type of thing, but he was talking about this really interesting fact where it's like everyone 50 or 60 years ago thought that Basically, they thought that energy would be cheap. Like, we'd have flying cars, everything would oh, be yeah, cheap I watched in that Back sense. To the future. But it's it's like the they thought it would be like the Jetsons, where in actuality, <laughs> it was look how cheap information is right now before the age of the internet. Information was a lot more restricted yeah. and harder to gain access to. Now, information is extremely cheap and readily available for everyone. Instantly. So it yeah. really helps, too. I think the universities are struggling coming to grips with this as well, where it's like maybe people don't need the university educations. That I learned taught them. more in the last year than I did in one year at the university. Yeah. I mean, on a variety of different topics of me going down rabbit holes for maybe 
20, 20 to 30 hours on a specific topic for one to two weeks. And mm-hmm. like, I'm learning a lot more, a lot more, a variety of different perspectives and point of views on a certain topic than I did in my full first year of university. Well, of you course, and how easy is it to do it now, right? You can yeah. sit with your laptop on your couch with the TV on and, and find and multiple avenues. And you're curriculum. Yeah. You know, I think you can go anywhere you want to go and yeah. find out what you want to find out. And I, I think personally too, you know, on the business side of things, I've learned more about business and stuff like that from totally. being able to look it up and find it up. And that's not just being open or working the business. That's being able to find it when I need to find it. Exactly. Yeah. I'm the same way with like things like camera skills and stuff like that. Right. My like media skills are basically learned from YouTube. Instead of paying $500 like for someone to teach you that, you can yeah. just go online and figure it out exactly. yourself. Yeah, that's how I change my brakes on my car. Right? I watch <laughs> so a YouTube thing and everyone, jack it up and change the brakes on my car. Now, yeah. I don't think that stuff is necessarily under threat from Z10, but definitely certain ideas or like pushing certain types of content. It's like you look at the budget that something like the CBC has where I, I don't even know what their specific budget is nowadays, but I think it's like a billion dollars a year. And like your tax dollars are being used for like the Canada family feud prizes and things like that. Right. What? All that stuff. Yeah. Well, it's everything CBC is basically taxpayer funded. And right. Like they do have some hidden gems. Like when you, you, you want to talk about Canadian, how important Canadian content is, it is important, but not at the behest of prioritizing it over all other content or all yeah. right. points of view. And it's like, yeah, I love the fact that Shit's Creek was a great, amazing Canadian show. Like, yeah, it was fantastic. say that it was awesome. great and good, but it doesn't mean that we need to have a giant industry surrounded around, like, pumping so much money into Canadian-made content and whatnot. And right. it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, so, like, all right. that's where I fall on that. But it's Just also, Creek is fantastic. Just Creek is so good, and it, 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 it's a gem of a show, and we're lucky to have it. It's it's just that. Didn't we drive past? Problem, yeah, the, we drove past the, well, the hotels. On uh, your e-bike? No, no, that's a, that's a far e-bike, especially for those especially ones back in the day. Especially when they go only twenty kilometers an hour. They go. I think You're fixated the, on I think, that. No, like, the max I, is like yeah, thirty thirty-six kilometers an hour is the max because that's just legally they they have you have to have a license after that basically. So that's but why. But then you add a person on it, and it like slows the. Down well, and sure. the battery. Yeah, little, like, They're not functional, I'll tell you that. No, of course not. No, no. They, and they don't look cool. <laughs> uh, we did not look cool. Like, no, we did not look cool, and we got a lot of rap for it back Evan and I were not cool people in high school. Now, you're cool now, though. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be allowed on here if so I wasn't. That's actually, that's yeah, I, yeah, true, because Kelsey, <laughs> yeah. that's the, the CRTC has, has approved cool. me as a genuine cool guy. Oh, you're so approved. Oh, perfect. Well, then, good. thanks for coming in. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank thanks you for coming. And just a quick little note, if you heard the phone or anything, Bracebridge, we're here at Bracebridge Hall again today. Okay. We're back open after how many months? So we opened on Friday. That's fantastic. This is the first weekend we're back open. Thank you, Dougie. I did not see this one coming. You definitely didn't because you blasted him last week. Yeah. And you wanted it to edit it, but we didn't edit it out. We're it still working. Really? That's awesome. Oh, now oh, I no, have to I, the steps. No, yeah, I, she wanted it. No, I didn't do like a super long rant about him, but I like. I it was quick, but it was definitely to well, the, the point. Well, the Doug Ford thing is super interesting because when he came into power and like, I'm a member of the conservative party. So I absolutely, yes, a full disclosure, I'm a member of the conservative party. Basically, I, you get to vote in your party elections and choose your leader which is something if someone wants to be more involved in politics like that like find the party that you're interested in and like become a member voting the party elections so you can have a say if you don't like any who of any any of the political leaders are then get a little bit more involved and like right. cast that, ballot right? that that's that, that's the great thing about that and like the conservatives you were allowed to submit questions for their party debates and whatnot and all this but like yeah the doug ford one was interesting because i did not vote for him in the party election i did not want him in um 
and I sort of wanted to be rid of the Fords. And then everyone had this misconception of or conception of what Ford was going to be. And now I would say Ford is one of the most liberal premiers at this current time. And right. like the people who oh, hate him sure. are the people who got him into power right now. He's very unpopular with the conservative base. In oh, I'm Ontario. sure. Yeah, he definitely yeah. went. He definitely swung to the left at at, on no a way. hard turn to the yeah. left. And like, um, I was rolling my eyes. Yeah, I wasn't necessarily in favor of Doug Ford for those things, but like the wing government and the liberals in Ontario have been in power for long enough, gone through their shares of scandals. But then Doug Ford managed to outspend the previous liberal government when he sort of campaigned on a promise to restore the budget and bring things back to normal. And he overspent on... He over- that was all those conservative COVID. values that he, he did, too, right? He on a budget for- thing? Yeah. Oh, like, he spent okay. more money than the previous liberal government had the year before and backed off on his promise to sort of... Uh, Fix the budget. Yeah, exactly. Like balance the budget, which is what every politician always says. I'm still rolling. Of course, but, that's like, the first. He bugs Yeah, and this so is before much. COVID that he did this. At the same time as cutting more programs. So yeah, Doug Ford's failures have been sort of all over the map. I thought he was doing an okay job towards the second wave, and I was sort of warming up to him again. But I mean, yeah, I, I think I was in. The, I think I was in the same boat. Yeah. Like first wave and stuff. I was, you know, everyone. It was it was a guessing game and. Yeah. You know, I think we're starting to find out it wasn't a guessing game. I think we're starting to find out a lot of things were hidden. And he could work for Tim Hortons. I mean, I think he's their salesman. Well, the Fords definitely have a lot of uh, suspicious connections from back in the day. Like, I wasn't around in Toronto when, like, his brother was mayor and things like that. But there were people all those loved stories. Him. People loved oh, Rob. People still do. I mean, like, oh, yeah. the man smoked crack. Yeah, he's got one of the best reggae YouTube videos of all time. Notorious exactly. uh, politicians. But people loved him. He was on Jimmy Kimmel. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he After was, his too. Crack yeah. thing was That's like, right. Mm-hmm. And he was, oh, yeah. Like, and people also forget that Doug ran for city mayor after Rob, like... He I, ran for mayor? He ran for mayor of oh, Toronto, wow, and he was that. beaten by John Tory when John Tory first came in. And so was, uh, I can't remember, the... Jack Layton's wife, or obviously Jack Layton passed now, but uh, who his wife was also ran um, for the NDP. Jack Layton used to come up to Muskoka quite a bit. And he was, well, Jack Layton, I think he what, he was rated like the number one party leader that Canadians would like want to have a beer with. He right. was like the so people's let's, man. Olivia yeah. Chow? Or, Olivia Chow, that's yeah. her name. Yes, yeah, sorry. That was So it says that. Olivia Chow, uh, Chinese born, a mm-hmm. former Canadian politician who was a federal New Democrat Party member of Parliament. Yeah, and then uh, after after that, because like post Jack Layton, the NDP have done very poorly politically in elections, and like say 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 what you want about Jagmeet Singh, but like he's obviously failed at his primary job to do better than they have in the previous elections, and like have you noticed that he's been advertising as like he's millennial? To keep himself relevant, that's what he, I've noticed. He's yeah, been doing yeah he's like a TikTok star. Like you see a lot of things. I like, did see him on TikTok. Places like Blogio love him. Like they'll write articles about how cute him and his wife are and things like that. It's, it's, at the Great same time, yeah. Yeah. at the same time, they'll write articles basically about how Aaron O'Toole's wife uh, brought him a glass of wine during a live stream. And I know. Okay. Like crazy. Yes. And then he did that yeah. uh, tweet or something like that. And so like, I got home from a bike ride and my, and my wife was here with a beer and people were like, all right, it's the 1950s. So sexist. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. just, but like <laughs> on the other side of the spectrum, you have people like just praising the outfits of Jagmeet Singh and things like that. And because the I outfits think are important. It's part of the narrative. Too. Look at what Kelsey yeah, wore today. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't oh, do the podcast without that. 
It's weird that those those I mean, Evans wearing a Bush and Reagan shirt right now. That's yeah. Oh, that's yeah. That is, that's a nice Bush shirt. And Reagan shirt. Oh, right you now. didn't see it? Oh, that's it's a classic like from the '84 wow. campaign. Oh, that is from 1984. Yeah. Wow. 1984. Great year. Not a great year, actually. Yeah, great year. <laughs> well, fortunately, we never got that far. But yeah, that's definitely a. Uh, I sort of had to like go back and read it. Yeah, read it and watch the movie again because I was like how true is this and how close are we? And I think that's one of the things that like people always talk about, like what's your biggest existential fear? It's like, that's definitely one of them. Like, oh, not climate totalitarian not climate change. So, do you ever have the thought that- Not specifically, that, like, but it's definitely an issue. Like I hate that conservatives are also like so opposed to doing anything about climate change because again, it's like what we talked about, how they're pigeonholed into their views and stuff like that. Like, it there was is a, very there weird. There was a referendum where it was like the, the conservative base wouldn't even say that climate change is a real issue. And then right. Aaron O'Toole was like, well, I'm the party leader. It is a real issue. We're going to have uh, a discussion. About yeah, it. We're going to have a discussion. We're going to have, uh, it's going to be in our platform. We're going to talk about, we're going to have a plan to deal with climate change. Obviously not in the same way that the carbon, the carbon tax is sort of formulated because he's very opposed to that. But yeah, it's, I think the climate change really issue is all over there, the board. But, and I think what's being pushed, you see kind of like these holes are uh, these cracks and stuff that are like, all right, what's your agenda behind this? Because this doesn't totally make sense. I mean, in my personal opinion, I have not, um, I could not say I'm an expert on the opinion, but that's, I, I'm, I'm like, yeah. well, okay, I understand climate is something that we all need to be aware of and need to be concerned about, especially with how we treat the planet. But what are the motives behind some of these bills of the climate change issues and um, how is that being represented or enforced? Um, I, I, I see a lot of suspect aspects with that. Yeah, personally. that's following another train of money now, right? And yeah. I know, I mean, for, for the Biden and Harris you know, administration. administration to say that it is the most existential threat that faces America right now when their country is riddled with yeah. crime and, and illegal immigration and all yeah. the other stuff that's going on in the division yeah. in that country. For them to put that as their top platform is, to, to me, is absolutely ridiculous. Well, and, 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 and they just Justin came out Trudeau of a Trudeau giant Trudeau. pandemic. Like, that's what I mean. That, have, that is not yeah. the number one existential the threat to your country. Really scary in, inflation, right economy, mental illness. So overdoses, deaths, yeah. crime, all these other things. You know, that's not to say it's not an issue, no, right? And exactly. I'm like, exactly. Yeah. It's and definitely I like an issue. The, the one big thing to talk about, and I think that actually conservatives should get all, on board with a lot more, is the conservation aspect of like environmentalism, like yeah. protecting your own sort of ecosystems and your own parks and your own natural heritage areas. Right. Where it's like everyone can get behind that idea, whether yeah. or not like I 100% do believe climate change is real and it's happening. Yeah. I don't think the world's going to end in 12 years because of it. Definitely But not. like you're going to see certain things happen as a result. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's and it's also become like trendy to become a part of that sort of climate change activist group and things like it, that. And that's it has like a neoliberalism a type thing. Yeah, for sure. I guess like I can kind of define neoliberalism right now, whereas it's like yeah, please do. the act of sort of, it's like a merge of capitalism and rebellion together where it's like you make sort of what was once rebellious and cool and edgy and you make it part of the system where it's like, oh, this company is donating or involved in this campaign to help save the oceans type deal and you can feel good about yourself because you purchased it. So you're taking part in the system. So it's like inactivity it makes you feel like you're doing something good at the same time as you and I have you're doing a part personal yeah, conversation. Yeah. And this. it's, yeah. In the meantime, you're taking, you're still taking part in the same system. that's always happened. Of course. And they're still taking yeah. advantage of the same system. Yeah. They're putting into something to make you think you feel better about yourself. One thing Evan brought up to me and it's kind of been bouncing around in my head was, do you remember the black square for BLM? 
Yes. And how everyone just posted a black square. Yep. And Everything how went black. I perceived yep. it is, okay, people think that they're doing this black square to bring awareness to it. But then also when you look up Black Lives Matter, all you just see is a blackout. You have no information of videos of what's going on. Well, that, you just have a black thing. square. Yeah. A complete blackout of information. And it, it gave people that sense of, you know what? I support BLM. BLM. I'm yeah. I did something good. Like, yeah. it's a virtue signal. Yeah, and everyone changed it. And then code. you're not going to go and research more or read more. Or, no, you're like, I you're not. You're going to change your profile picture issue. in three exactly. days it's when like, it's not oh, trending or to be cool to put a black square on your Instagram. I'm protected thing. now. Right. It's, and it's not even to say that it's a bad thing to do it. It's like to make that sort of your crowning point that you want to get across just doesn't really work. Yeah, unifying like people is, is a great thing and, and coming yeah. together for something and, and feeling unity and, and doing things for the right thing has always been a great thing. But when it's instantaneously mm-hmm. for a like or a view or a this or a that and, and everyone just falls in and do, does nothing about it other than or do that. It's, I feel like I need to bring awareness to this because it makes me feel good. Everyone else around me is so this is my contribution, this little black square, and you know what? I'm part. Um, it's marketing, my, my right? hands like, it. You've now marketed a, a civil movement, basically. Yeah. Right. Like, you've made it marketable. You can buy these shirts, like the Tax the Rich shirts that uh, AOC and the Squad sell or whatever oh in the States. God, like, that's, a, that's a little thing. Do you want to get me they on the AOC? Ha- right? oh, I don't know. Oh, man, I'd go nuts if I go. I, I cannot stand. <laughs> I don't know it. Well, like, I, I, I could, but, it, I mean, but yeah, like... The squad in the United States, it, like the United States, has celebrities as their political figure. Like that's they great point. and I think that's why, like boring. Kelsey touched on that before her saying that she knew much more about American yeah. politics than Canadian politics because they are celebrities, yeah. and it is this thing where. And listen, I, I love American politics. Being living in the states for a little bit, I, I, I grasped onto it. Mm-hmm. But honest to God, it's like it's like watching it's a, a soap. It is or yeah. a reality it TV is very show. Much and it's, well, yeah. and we love to sit up here in Canada and judge too. It's so much easier for us to that be is a great from point. it and judge. Whereas in a lot of ways, like the American system is actually a lot better than the Canadian system. Another, I guess, I don't well, know. The, system, the system of politics. The system of politics. Sure, like, is, I would say, like, better. like Canada probably should have moved towards a republic a long time ago. But well, why don't you get into a little bit more of that? Like, you have some topics on here of like how our government works. I think maybe you should get into a little bit. I guess, yeah, like, one of the most important things... Sure, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, like, one of the most important things I would say about, like, you you understand how your system works. Oh, you want to talk about the e-bike switch? Okay, well... Like, Kelsey's gone, let's talk about the e-bike again. Well, I will say for certain, I was the first one to get the e-bike, and Kelsey quickly hopped on the bandwagon train. I think she's that type of person. She she looked cool. I also got tired of her riding on the back of mine, and we got ticketed a few times for it as well, so... Uh, yeah, there's that. And then we quickly learned that it was the subject of much ridicule. Uh, people right. riding around to school on their e-bikes when all the cool kids had their parents' cars and whatnot coming in and yeah, all exactly. that stuff. And Well, I mean, it's those things, uh, you know, that used to used to happen. We're, we're always uh, – hold on one yeah. sec. I'm just going to – not yet. Not yet? Not yet. I love it. We're o- I, I love that we're open. I love that you get to answer that yeah, question Yeah, someone actually now. came Isn't to the door good? and said, are like, you guys open? How long has it been? I don't even know. Was yeah, it's been, a long, it's, yeah it's been a long time, and it's been a struggle, but it is great to be, great to be back I'm open. I'm, like, impressed at how sort of, and maybe it's just sort of on a first glance, how untouched 
Muskoka almost has seemed to escape this, whereas, like, I drove downtown Waterloo the other day, and it was about 80% of restaurants were boarded up. Yeah, it's it a, I mean, what, Andrew, our one bartender, uh, he lives in this, his girlfriend lives in the city, and he commutes back and forth, and he said that it's, it's just completely it's, desecrated. It's, to uh, it's crazy, and it's, really uh, it's just, like, you remember the uh, LRT construction that was happening in Kitchener, right? not, like, those, a lot yeah. of those businesses that were there just went through, like, four years of basically not being able to run normally, and then they now they're dealing with COVID. It's just crazy. Right, like, right. I don't know. I think it's, you're just going to, like, obviously there's going to be a new market for restaurants Decimating, and stuff. Decimating, like, these big open. hubs yeah. in cities, especially with Kitchener-Waterloo being such a university town. It's the fastest growing community in North America. Yeah, my brother lives just yeah. outside of Kitchener-Waterloo. Well, well and Evan and I grew up, right, that was, like, our hub. Instead of, well, that was the city. Um, Waterloo was that, only 15 oh, minutes Oh, that was, closer. that's right, yeah, when, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Whereas Guelph was 30 minutes closer to Elmira, so we always went to Kitchener-Waterloo, and I was never a fan. <laughs> no, because it's, well, it, like, I, I don't know where I work right now. It's what's called a two-tier municipality where it's like you got Brantford and Brant and that. And then Kitchener yeah. is the tri-city, which is super unique. Yes. And actually the biggest gripe, I guess we can go a little bit back to Doug Ford, but it's one of the things Please. I have. My biggest gripe was basically that they did this sort of regional government assessment, basically like evaluating the effectiveness of how each region in Ontario is governed and okay. all that and basically the big issue in kitchener waterloo is amalgamation like should they just be one city yeah and they spent all this money did this report and now they refuse to release it or say anything about it and it's what, just what do you mean crazy. well they just won't release it right they don't have to so they spent so, all this taxpayer yeah, money the, on trying to decide whether kitchener waterloo should be just one well, all of ontario it was, it was about all of like the city oh okay it's, so all the cities not and municipalities just kitchener waterloo kitchener waterloo was the big one that everyone, or at least for me, I wanted to know. I was like, is this sort of three-tier system effective for what is essentially one city? And yeah. they just won't release it. Like, that's an off-topic thing, but I was just, it, it was interesting. Yeah. That that's what they did release and stuff, whatnot. Um, well, okay. I want to kind of move into some of the topics that you um, wanted to talk about with... Um, sure. The Canada's left-wing nationalism and anti-American culture. That was some... Yeah. Re- I, I got down some rabbit holes from some of the stuff that you had sent me. So mm-hmm. we can get into that in, like, the experience with germ- journalism and media and how that is presented to Canadians. Yeah. Because that does tie in with Bill C-10. Well, it's like... So you guys have all traveled outside of Canada. I know you have. You've yeah, definitely. Canada, yeah. You lived in the States. And yeah. It's like, okay, so take out the States for a second, but what's sort of the one thing you always have to do when you travel somewhere else in the world, like, you always assume you're American. Flag. Exactly. You have your Canadian always have it on my backpack or, like, or on my golf bag. You know, I'm American, had right? To while I yeah. lived in Australia, just because while I was bartending, people were like, "Are you American?" And I yeah. would just lift up my hand. I'm like, "There's a maple leaf right, right. there." There's such a, a a desire and a strong, open, nationalistic sense to separate us from the United States, and it's present in everything from like policy making to like Canadian culture. We have an inferiority complex about our superiority complex. Oh, no, 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 sorry. Our superiority complex about our inferiority complex, I think. Right, and we benefited like pretty immensely having the United States as our southern. Oh, and we also course. benefit right. from the fact that when you travel elsewhere um, to those listening and um, Evan and Keith right here, if you've traveled elsewhere, you put that Canadian flag on your backpack because people are more inclined to be polite to yeah. you. Everyone loves Canadians. Well, that, and you also want, like, I think it's that, but I think it's also a thing that you want to tell someone that you're Canadian. I've always you specifically been, I've always want been to proud say of that. Not, always, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with being proud of being yeah. Canadian, that but part of it is, I'm not American. Canadian. Part of the Canadian identity is completely centered around 
not being American. Right. When we're both super similar. And I'm never, I'm not saying there should be like an assimilation of Canada and the US and whatnot, but it's like, and the big thing when Trump obviously came into power and whatnot was everyone was talking about nationalism and whatnot. And because like, he was very yeah. um, patriotic, yeah. America yeah. first type deal and things like that. But like nationalism is not a left or a right type thing. Like the Soviet Union was in a sense nationalist as much as like, mm-hmm. well, I mean, Nazism is essentially like it's national socialism, but yeah. like type right? of deal as well. <laughs> yeah. I'm not equating those or relating them in any real no, sense, those are but examples. it's, I lost my train of thought a little bit here, but Sorry. basically like, yeah, there's this very strong sense and it goes back really, really far in Canada to separate itself from the United States. And that's sort of in the, the one of the most hilarious terms, of, not terms, but facts about that is like Canada is a very progressive country. Right. So Multicultural. people we love talking about that and separating ourselves from the United States, too, where it's like uh, I think I forget where it was. I read it, but it was basically, do you know, it, like universal health care in Canada is the sort of most Canadian thing Canadians are proud of. Like, where of patriotism yeah. is, it, like, it's yeah. not the flag, it's not the national anthem. It's, no. so we it's got free health care. Yeah, exactly, free health care. And, like, whatever you think about, we, I, I, I don't know enough to go into health care and whatnot, but it's no. not even rated that high among most, like, G7 or modern no, industrialized nations. That. That's, a, that's and, a complete, like, yeah. yeah. And, and we're finding that more and more. Oh, especially this year. It's like, this year whose hospitals very, are overwhelmed? Very relevant. Yeah, right? But relevant. I don't know enough about healthcare to really Comment. say on yeah. that. But it goes, it goes everywhere, like from, from free education to gun control. There's, and it, it does seep its way into media as well, where we're always trying to distance ourselves from the yeah. right-wing Christian crazy Americans and whatnot, where as Canada gets all the benefit of doing that at the same time as reaping all the benefits of being like, it's, their largest trading partner of course no national defense i mean we have right. national defense but like canada is very lucky to have the united states oh yeah that's and, but you know what i think they're interests. very lucky to have us as well yeah but it's funny because like when canada was a british colony it was basically the reason that that started was because they were afraid of losing canada to the American to, well, to the new United is, States country, um, right? Under a Commonwealth, we're yeah. right above the United exactly. States. Exactly. So, um, so uh, I mean, that's a natural thing. But the, and that's then where it started, you've got right? Australia, New Zealand over there that's cooped up. It, like that's less of a concern, I feel, than Canada mm-hmm. would be to lose hundred percent the Commonwealth. Yeah. So where where that started was there was this sort of fierce patriotism towards the British monarchy and whatnot. Right. That was before sort of the, the left wing nationalism came in. But, and are we still seeing that like British propaganda even today? A, a little bit. I mean, it's not like they have direct control over how our government works. It's mostly all a rubber stamp, right? You go and ask the queen, she signs it, whatever. I heard something recently, sorry, side note, um, that Justin Trudeau was trying to get rid of someone in the parliament. General. The government, yeah. this is it, the governor yeah. general. And he almost had to go to the queen and ask to remove this person because yeah. he couldn't get. This she wouldn't person step removed. down. Basically. She wouldn't step down and he had no authority. Yeah. So he had to nearly go to the queen to ask this person to get fired. Yeah. You know? I, 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 I'm 99% sure that's exactly how it was. And yeah. it's like you basically, because the governor general before Canada was independent in obviously 1867, sort of what we know as independent Canada kind of came about, but. Even then, they were still very subject to the British monarchy and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I think we gained full political independence in 1931. And then in 1982, I believe, we sort of got the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. 82 and the Canadian, or 84? The Canadian Constitution was written and all that. And we yeah. were completely separate. But like, I think I had that written down somewhere. It was funny because the, the Johnny McDonald's. Yeah, Canada is. Well, like Pierre Elliott Trudeau, Justin's dad, was the one who, like, obviously 
coined the Charter of Rights and Freedoms and got the full independence from Britain in every form. Yes. But it was basically like in the early days of when it was the British Empire worried about its northern colonies in Canada, they were basically, well, we need to give Canadians a Canadian identity. And it was like, oh, look at this backward country of America with all these like African-Americans and Jews and things like that, where and it was very pushed on that Canada was a high society, British only regime, not regime, but basically <laughs> realm where it was like, yeah. well, look at how kind of mixed and gross America is. Obviously that's very much changed, but I think that's kind of a cool fact too, where it's like the propaganda back then was basically like, With look at Johnny McDonald. Yeah, exactly. Look well, at all these minorities that are in the States. And that's what Canadians were saying back then. It's just well, interesting. And it's but. interesting you bring that up too, because uh, Sir Johnny McDonald, our first prime minister was, um, he was the person that implemented the residential schools. That um, continued so, for a very long time. Yeah, um, yeah, and I mean, I don't think any of us are experts into talking about what's going on um, out in BC with the residential schools and the children that were just found. Um, but yeah, I, 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 it, like the deaths aren't as far past us as we think they were. That's yeah. the wrong way of formulating it. But it's like these people, these kids who died, would have been like elders today, pretty much yeah. in their communities or societies. Mm -hmm. So like. Yeah, there's a lot of you can't ignore the bad history of Canada, no, but it doesn't mean it doesn't Canada's necessarily mean Canada is an evil country and whatnot. And I also don't think like, yeah, Sir Johnny McDonald had a ton of terrible qualities. No, but he came into power because um, the political parties or the political system was in a disarray. So he came in and kind of put things into order a little bit. Yes, he did have plenty of scandals, um, but he did something that was crazy and incredible. Right. Yeah. And you can't erase that but you also can't erase the fact that there were residential schools. You just have to acknowledge both. Right? Yeah, and I think that's super important. And, you know, we're seeing that in, in you know, the political landscape right now and the way things are going. Tr people are trying to erase erase the past that they don't like to change the future. When mm -hmm. you, I've, I've never understood taking down statues or do, doing all this, or changing names. I get, it's history. do you not have to understand history to be progressive enough to make change for the future. It also does nothing for the problem as well, right? Like it, I would, it, you can't you go back and fix the problem. Like, you make it better. Yeah, exactly. Forward. I've heard the, the argument and more, maybe it's more related to the States, but it definitely relates to like the statue issue in Canada, which I really like from my perspective, I'm just not really that interested in that issue. But it's like, if you are someone of that descent or your ancestor who dealt with that and you see a statue commemorating someone who did these things, like, right. yeah, that sucks. Now, do I think that we should be like, hoisting ropes over them and pulling them down and throwing paint on them. No, I think that you should just be able to vote as a community about whether or not you want to take that statue exactly. down. And then yes. just take it down. Right. You don't need this revolutionary style movement that tears down statues and let's tear down all the systems of oppression and whatnot and things In like that. In such a violent In way. In such a violent yeah, way. It's, it's like, well, crazy. how do you know what you build next isn't going to be the, either the same thing or worse? Yeah, starting yeah. starting from erasing something is yeah. not the best platform to start to build something no. new. And, and I don't think it ever like has been either. And those, those ideologies and those groups. For We're just sure going is. unchecked. Like, it's just, you just basically have to say, well, if you're going to say that Canada is like a systemically racist country, well, let's argue why and let's talk about yeah. why. Like, but sometimes you're barred from having those discussions. Which is an interesting just, you, you're thing. You're forced to just accept it, right? Right. right. Yeah. Well, well, we're getting pushed right now in the current um, uh, political climate and media in Canada that we're very systemically racist, which, I mean, I think most countries have I that think that's just the narrative of it. Yeah. Anglo-European right? countries are, yeah. 100%. Um, but 
I always grew up knowing that Canada was one of the most multicultural countries in the entire world, and we were very proud of that and proud of all the races and communities and cultures that are in our country. I grew up being very proud of that. So, I mean, now to have my prime minister tell me that the majority of this country is systemically racist, I understand, but it's it's that weird double-edged coin of, like, are we accepting or are we blatantly racist? I always thought we were accepting. Like, I, I ever since I, since I was a young kid, I always thought that, you know, we were accepting to all cultures and, yeah. and all communities. And that was one of the greatest things about living here, right? Knowing that uh, I could go to any place uh, and see culture and yeah. different people and different ideas and that was part of that was part of canada that's yeah, it doesn't I mean racism thought. doesn't exist right um, we're definitely not saying yeah. that like so, i like, myself I'm, i've never seen humans as other than being human beings i've never seen color i've just yeah. seen they're individual people whatever they are that's that's always been my my belief since i was a kid i've never seen color or seen anything mm-hmm. like that it doesn't mean that that i'm ignorant or arrogant enough to say that racism doesn't exist no, because i've had many cultures yes even. i've been you know i've talked to many people where uh, they've they've ex- shared their experiences, and it, it mm-hmm. certainly does. But I don't think that we're a, a systemically racist country. And I I don't think our foundation is. I mean, I don't think the state is. is, is it, but it's not. It's it, it's not as if the government of today enacts it in that way, right? And it's yeah. not even put in legislation like the constitution. Uh, I, I don't want to get into the constitution of the United States, but it basically talks about like the freedom of the individual and whatnot. And yeah, right. at that time, it was white landowners but it's changed since then Mm -hmm. so you don't want to put in new laws and new protections based around groups of people because the individual rights should always trump the rights of groups and group identity is very dangerous and exactly and like you see it in canada specifically where like there's a very small subset of the population given pretty decent rights as a group that put them above the rest of Canada and right. is a sense is a sense like legal legalized discrimination yeah. to an extent. It really is. That's a great point. Like, well, Kelsey, the, listen, people be, will disagree with me. But. Before we go on to the next uh, stage, obviously we're going to run over our hour here today with Evan. We'd love to talk to Evan a little bit more. So let's, why don't we take a little break here? Okay. Um, we'll go out and ha- have a quick drink of water, oh, refresher, and then cool. we'll come back for part, part two, two with Evan. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. You I up for that, Evan? Yeah, absolutely. I did not re- even look at the time. So here I am thinking. This is how we had Kelsey and I, yet. this is how Kelsey and I were when we first sat down. Um, you know, she was nervous. I was nervous. We'd never done this before. And it was kind of our first time doing it. We sat down and, uh, next thing you know, there was, it was 56 yeah. minutes gone. And we're like, oh, shit. holy shit. But well, that, was, and, yeah. cause before yeah. we're both nervous. So yeah, yeah we'll and take then, a little break. I mean, guys. I, obviously I was talking to Keith about, um, having you up here. I'm like, Evan and I will go on a rant for <laughs> well over an hour. Yeah. And that's yeah. great. Cause like, we're it. not podcast experts either. Right. So it's like, We'll no. have this discussion until we're done with it, right? And yeah, and that's, that's the great thing that's about the great it. thing about long-form discussion, right? It is, it's and that's great. why we've always loved – that was always the yeah. idea when we yeah. started this. So, yeah. But as, um, as the Canadians would, it's dark break now. Start break, Canadians. <laughs> so thanks. Stay tuned for part two of The Other Side of the Rail. We're just going to take a little break, and we'll be right back.